Say this with me. This is my Bible. God's holy word. This book is alive and powerful. I read other books, but this is the only book that reads me. There are many opinions, but this is the only opinion that counts. Today, I declare by faith, I can do all it says I can do. I can be all it says I can be. And I can have all it says I can have. Today, I ask the Lord Jesus, the living word, to take his written word and per personalize it for my life so I can revere change by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, let me just say, I'm so glad you guys are here. Uh, I, obviously, you have a spirit of faith, but you know, I was just thinking as Tracy was holding that mic, I wonder how many people have touched that mic. And, you know, we, we can get so weirded out. You're, 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 you're in Walmart, you're in Safeway, and you hand him your card. You're standing two feet from somebody in line, and then you're standing in line, and then you punch the keypad for your digital code. That How many thousands of fingers have been on that one? And we just we get so weirded out on this stuff. How many know you're going to have to trust God before it's all over? So we just want to have that. First Timothy 6.12 says, Fight the good fight of faith, take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you uh, made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So we're going to, over the next number of weeks, till this virus is gone, we're going to be fighting a good fight of faith. And uh, we realize that we're not coming against flesh and blood, but against an invisible power and against our communities and our churches. And we also realize, uh, let me ask you this. How many have ever heard the phrase, choose your battles carefully? Well, I believe that's true. But I also know uh, there's a time sometimes when the battle chooses you and you weren't looking for it and it ends up on your doorstep and it didn't come from Amazon Prime. It's, it's just there. So we, we need to realize we're fighting a battle and we need to have great faith in this day. So I believe that... Uh, in 2 Chronicles 20, uh, God gives us a middle verse in the Old Testament. It's the middle verse of the Old Testament that gives the answer of what to do when a battle chooses you and you didn't choose it. Now, I believe this verse is a now word for this season as we fight this battle. We didn't choose the battle, but God gives us the answer and how to fight with faith and wisdom. So are you ready for it? Read it with me, verse 17. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions. Stand firm and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Stop. Okay, I, here's what I'm saying. and I, I want you to read this part with me again. Stand firm. Read it with me. Stand firm and see the deliverance of the Lord will give you, Harbor City Church and Grace Harbor. That's what I want you to see. God will come through for you, all right? Then it says, read it with me. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. Twice in this chapter, it says, do not be afraid and don't be discouraged. When you and I face what seems to be incredible odds and an impossible situation, you don't have to be afraid, and you don't have to be discouraged. Do you know why? 
Because our God has never lost a battle. Our God doesn't lose battles. And because he doesn't lose a battle, we shouldn't be afraid. God has a reputation for winning. At least I hope your God does. We are on, a winning, on the winning side. Regardless of the problems or the difficulties or the barriers or the circumstances uh, or the hang-ups or the delays, ultimately, we are on the winning side. It says, the church will prevail against the gates of hell, right? So uh, to me, this is such a timely word for where we find ourselves right now in the midst of this fight. This chapter tells us it's wise to choose uh, your battles, but if you can't choose a battle and it ends up coming to you, then you need to know how to fight. So if you take the time to read this story this week, you will find that King Jehoshaphat uh, in this chapter uh, actually in the verse, uh, chapter before, chapter 19, they were in the midst of great momentum. Things were going well. And I want you to know in this church, there's been great momentum. People are getting saved every week. The tithes and offerings have been good. Uh, our staff is growing. But not only that, just there's been great momentum. I want you to know when there's great momentum, that's when the enemy shows up, all right? So he's going around in chapter 19, appointing uh, godly leaders and he's telling them to obey the word of God and to lead the people in the right way. I mean, these guys are in a groove. They're in a great rhythm. And then it says in 2 Chronicles 20, verse 1, after this, after this great move of God, the Moabites, the Ammonites, and with some of the Meunites came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. It is already in Azan uh, Tamar, that is in Engedi. And this means, what it means is they were sneaking up from behind. They are going around the Dead Sea and then coming back up uh, to attack the people of God on a little known route. And they couldn't use the normal route because then the, if they did, they would lose the, the surprise of a sneak attack. So when King Jehoshaphat receives this word, uh, these three enemies are only 25 miles out, less than a day's journey. Uh, he doesn't have time to organize. He doesn't have time to build a, a vast uh, army for defense. He doesn't have time to rethink about the occasions that maybe mistakes he made that led up to this event. It's coming, and it's coming now. Now, have you ever had a phone call or a text that just took you off guard where something snuck up on you that you didn't expect, and it's less than a day away, and, and you don't have time to, to uh, listen to a certain iPod or a, a podcast or listen to a TED Talk or read a book to get your strategy. You've got to hear from God. And that's what I love about this king. That's what I love about that he realized, I don't have a plan, but I'm going to go to the one who does. And you need to know this week, I didn't know what to do. I, I was telling Lois, she kept saying, how's the sermon coming? I, I'd say, uh, there isn't one. Don't have one. Don't know what to do. It, it just isn't there. But I want you to know there's something about a surprise attack that will take you into the presence of God. So there's something about the one you didn't see coming that will cause you to run to the place you should have run all along. So I was crying out to God all week, God, how do you want to speak to your people People are in panic. People are in fear. Some people aren't going to come to church. Some people are. And by the way, I just want you to know, if you're watching online, I'm thrilled. If you're here, 
we're thrilled, all right? So verse 3 tells us what happens to Jehoshaphat, which is what happens to everybody in these situations. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. Now, I love the fact that even though he was alarmed, and here's what the word alarmed means. Alarm means a sudden fear, an apprehension, or an awareness of danger. So everybody's like, you know, I, I, I don't know what to do. I want my family to be safe. I want to be safe, all that kind of And I love the fact that in the midst of that sudden fear, he resolved. And, and the word resolve means he made up his mind. He became determined in the midst of the fear, in the midst of the alarmment, I'm going to go after God. And I hope that that's where you guys are at. You're going after God this week. You're seeking God on the behalf of yourself and your family, but also of others, our church, our community, our nation, and the world. Though now, now, he didn't always respond this way, by the way. So don't look at me like you always do, all right? Because two chapters before this, Jehoshaphat hooked up with uh, King Ahab, who was the most wicked king in the history of Israel. And uh, it seemed like, and he did it because it seemed like the right strategy. And what happened in, 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 is that in the battle that he went to uh, with King Ahab, King Ahab was actually killed. And they had sought the prophets, and uh, Jehoshaphat said, don't you have any more prophets besides these guys? And, and the prophet came and said, don't go in the battle, and you'll die. But Ahab just rejected it. Jehoshaphat, this is how bad it was. King Ahab had him had Jehoshaphat dress up like the king so that maybe Jehoshaphat would get killed instead of him. But instead, they recognized Jehoshaphat wasn't King Ahab. And what happens? The guy shot an arrow, and it randomly hit King Ahab, and he died. He bled out. And Jehoshaphat got out of that battle by the mercy of God. So have you ever made, barely made it out of a battle you shouldn't have been fighting? I'm telling you. I, I, I've thought about uh, one time, I'm driving down Aaron Street. I can't remember if it was my brother or my dad that was in the car, but we're driving down, and we're, how many know where Max Tavern is? And w right by Max Tavern, I look over, and there's this fight going on, and this uh, person is pulling the shirt off of the, over the head of the other person. And I, I start to pull over, and uh, I think it was my dad. I think he said, what are you doing? I said, Maybe we can help. He goes, oh, no, 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 no. You don't want to get involved. I said, and then we realized it was a cat fight. It was two women. And, and I said, it's a cat fight. This is fun. Let's, let's, he goes, no, no, no. You do not want to get involved in a cat fight. I said, he said, what will happen is you try to get in there and try to save these two ladies. Those two women will churn on you and you're dead meat. Just keep on driving. Don't fight a battle that's not yours to fight. And I realized quickly, you can get yourself in trouble if you take on something that's not yours. So that's why Jehoshaphat went to the Lord. He wanted to know, is this my battle? Is this a battle I'm supposed to fight? And there's no reason to wear yourself out fighting into the air and fighting and swinging at things that will wear you out that had nothing to do with you. So do you know how you can know if they're fighting a battle you shouldn't be fighting? if you're trying to control others you, and if you're trying to control the circumstances. I mean, no, you can't control this virus. 
There's nothing you can do. You can be wise, as wise as you can be, but you can also touch a keypad. You can hold a microphone. You can just be weird about stuff, too. You know, get, get off my, keep going, keep going. All right. <laughs> but, but here's the point I'm trying to make is we can take up fights and do things that we shouldn't be fighting. And so the New Testament tells us to be at peace with people as much as possible. So the peace of another person, I can do as much as I can to bring that peace into their lives and between us, but sometimes I can't. But I will tell you this, my peace is my responsibility, and my peace to do the right thing is the conclusion that I've come to so that some battles I fight, some battles I don't. So verse 4 tells us this, the people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord, and did indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. So he has three enemies sneaking up on him, behind him, and, and, and uh, uh, as they're sneaking up behind him, they're bigger than he is, stronger than he is, and he doesn't know which way to fight or how to fight them. So here's a question. Do you have something that is bigger than you this week, something that snuck up on uh, from behind you? And I've had people say to me, I don't even know if I'll have a job next week. Uh, businesses are closing. People are getting laid off. But I can tell you this, our God is bigger than your situation. All right? Uh, I've had people say to me, I went to the store and there's no more toilet paper. So let me just ask you this. How many have toilet paper? Raise your hand. That's who you go to if you need toilet paper. All right? Now, we need to remember, we have three enemies that sneak up on us. You know what they are? John, First John tells us, the world. The world will sneak up on you. That's when you buy into the values that oppose God's purpose for your life. The second one is your flesh. That's where you've developed patterns and desires that oppose God's purpose for your life. And the third one is the devil. That's where principalities and powers are assigned to oppose the purpose of God over your life. And it's not over, uh, by the way, you need to know, there are evil spirits assigned to every individual life. But there's principalities that are over every city, over every nation, and over the world. And I want you to know, this virus is a principality that's coming against the world economy and the world's health, and you can only fight it by going to God. Are you with me? Somebody be, shout me down. Dude, say sick and dug. Okay, so I can fight one, but I can't fight all three at the same time, and that's what he was saying. How, how, do, I, how do you raise kids where the history of the universe is in their pocket on their iPhone? How do, how do you have a sex talk with your kids when they don't have to go to a convenience for, uh, store to see pornography? It's on an app right next to their version app, their Bible. I mean, we're, we're in days that are just unexplainable, and yet when we step up and say, kids, family, we're going after God. We're not caving in. We're not going to give in. We're going to stay and seek God, and he will help us. So let me give you some keys to winning the battle. Here's a number one. The nature of the battle determines the nature of the strategy. When you don't understand the nature of the battle, you will fight the battle not understanding the dynamics of the battle, and you will lose the battle because you fought it from the wrong level. In other words, you start fighting it from a physical perspective, and there's nothing wrong with looking at things in a physical way. I'm saying that that's good. 
But I also want you to know it will sneak up on you in a spiritual way. And if you don't turn to the right person, you will end up being full of fret and fear and fright. All right? So when you understand the nature of the battle, then you can understand the nature of the strategy that you need. So what we need to do is seek God. All right? Just like Jehoshaphat. And he resolved to seek the Lord. And that means he involved the Levites. He involved the people of God, and they sought the Lord together. That's why uh, I didn't want to not have this service today because I want you to leave here resolved today. No matter what happens next week, we are going to go after God, all of us. Online, here, we're going after God. We're going to have a spirit of faith. We are not going to cave in to fear. So they sought the Lord together, and uh, he's facing a battle, and this time he doesn't go to another king. He doesn't get involved in a battle that he shouldn't be fighting. This time, he doesn't go to the media. He doesn't go to Fox News or CNN or Hollywood or Facebook or Instagram uh, to influence his position. Nope. This time, he's going to the Lord, and he's going to the right place because he doesn't have a plan, and the only one who does is God. All right? So it snuck up from behind him. And it may be a snuck up from behind you today. If that's you, you got to battle your fight and a snuck up behind you this week. Raise your hand. Okay, lots. And I'm telling you, God has a great plan for your life. If you seek him this week, he'll come through. So I, I want us to look at this prayer that Jehoshaphat uh, prayed in the midst of the battle sneaking up on him. Beginning in verse 5, it says, Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in the front of the new courtyard. Now, this courtyard where he's at is the temple of Solomon. This is the one that they dedicated to God. This is where God promised to pour out his presence uh, on, the, uh, on that temple. Uh, for any problem they faced, God promised he would be there if they turned to him. It reminds me of how we started this place in previous years. In the first service, it felt like it was like meeting for the first time, and, and we were all coming together. It was just a small group this morning, but I'm telling you, people were full of faith, and you know what I said to everybody? Thank God we don't have metal chairs now. We have, we have nice chairs to sit in. We, things are so much better, and all of you guys, I expected a lot less in this service, but you're here. Praise God you have that faith. I'm, I'm excited. So uh, we, we, uh, we, we got this building, and here's what I believe. God promised that we would win Grace Harbor to Jesus Christ. And this is, and, and here's what he says in verse six. And he said this, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is heaven? I love this guy because he shifts from the focus of the one who's against him to the focus uh, of the one who reigns above him, all right? Look, he says, you rule over all the kingdoms of the nation, nations. Power and might are in your hand and no one can withstand you. I want you to get that in your spirit today. No one can withstand the God you're serving. Look at verse 7. Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people, Israel, and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? See, sometimes we need to rehearse before the Lord all the promise, promises that he's made to you, that he made to us corporately, and, and so we can remember so we can remember, not, we're not having, God never forgets. But we need to remember the promises that he's made. And, and you need to, as you rehearse the promises of God over your life, you need to remember this. This is not your first rodeo, all 
I would say, even in your 20s, this is not your first rodeo. Listen, I, we, we went through the Vietnam War in my day, and then we went through 911 in 2001. Then we went through the recession of 2008, and, 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 and we had just started as a church. And then as we went through that recession, now we, we went through the influenza virus where 31,000 people died last year of the flu. 64,000 died the year before that. And good news is, even though it's bad news, only 51 or maybe 60 people now have died of, of the coronavirus. But I'm telling you, and that's bad, but at the same time, folks, God's helping us. He's seeing us through this. So this is not the first time where it seemed to be no way where God made a way for your life and my life. Our God is here today to tell you, I will come through for you. Verse 7 again says, Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people, Israel, and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? He's telling God, you gave it forever. I believe until Jesus comes, this place will be standing here as an open door for the house of God, for people to come in and out and worship him with all their hearts because he promised it, all right? So it's bigger than Moab and Seir and the coronavirus and all those things. So uh, then it's like his tone shifts. It's like he starts blaming God for the situation. It says in verse eight, they have lived it, they have lived in it and have built, speaking of the enemy, they have lived in it and have built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, if calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in our distress and you will hear us and save us. Verse 10, but now here are men from Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. Here's what Jehoshaphat's saying to God. He's reminding him, listen, this enemy wouldn't be here if you'd allowed Moses and jo Joshua to take him out, but you wouldn't allow him to do that. See, he's saying, listen, uh, Ahab was my problem. I, 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 that's on me. But this is battle that we're facing now, God, this is on you. We are crying out to you. This one, we couldn't have prevented even by our own obedience. This one is three enemies that have joined up against us, and the whole reason is they are here is because Moses led the people out of Egypt, and you told them they were not allowed to drive out these inhabitants because they are relatives of Esau, that, which, by the way, are Edomites, and they were the descendants of Esau, and Esau was the son of Isaac, and Isaac was the son of the covenant, but, he was, uh, uh, but Esau wasn't, okay? So Isaac was the son of Abraham, and Abraham was God's friend. So God did not let the Israelites drive out what belonged to his friend. Are you with me? Okay. When you have a friend who knows how to fight, it will make you confident. I, I don't know about you, but uh, what made me confident as a kid was anybody who picked on me, they picked on my brother. My brother, he had chest hair when he was four years. No, he had. <laughs> 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 I, I, 
I, I, I, I'm just, he, he, had a, he had a jail record when he was in ninth grade. The, nobody came against my brother. So if they came against me, they knew they were taking on the Cotton Brothers. So I had great confidence when everybody came on to pick on me. He'd say, if you pick on my brother, Doug the Stud, I'm telling you, you're picking on me. So you need to look at someone this morning and just tell them, listen, if you're picking on me, you're picking on my friend. Just tell them that right now. That's Okay, you're not telling them that. All right. Jehoshaphat is saying, listen, you wouldn't let, them, let us drive them out, or uh, you would have done it, or we would have done it. So God, this is not our fault. In fact, God... This is something you allowed, and now we need you to fight for us. We didn't do anything to, to, our disobedience didn't bring on the coronavirus. I don't know why it's here, except I just know all hell is against us, but I know this, God prevails against the gates of hell. So look at verse 11. See how they are repairing us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance? Listen, the second key to winning this battle, you can write down, is understanding possession. See, if God gave us this place to possess, if he gave us Aberdeen, Hoquim, Cosmopolis, Montesano, Elma, and all of Grace Harbor, if God gave us this harbor to possess, then it is his responsibility to protect it. So if you and I are God's possession, and we are stewarding something that he gave us to possess, then it is not about how much power we have uh, that determines what happens next in this battle. What happens is this, when it's God's possession, it's God's problem. So when you and I realize you are God's treasure, when you, you and I realize you're God's possession, when you realize you're his son, you're his daughter, you are his friend, then you, you can stand with confidence that God will fight for you. Look at verse 12. Our God, will you not judge them where we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us? We do not know what to do. And this week, when I didn't know what to do with the sermon, I felt like God said, this is not your battle. This is my battle. And this scripture came to me, this portion of scripture. So if you're here today and uh, you've got a problem, I'm telling you, God's for you. Verse 13. Oh, listen to this before verse 13. He says, he said this, but our eyes are on you. All right. Verse 13. All the men of Judah with their wives and children and their little ones. In other words, Families stood there before the Lord. Then the spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, the son of Jael, the son of, uh, of Mattaniah, a Levite, and descendant of Asaph, as he stood in the assembly. Now, normally I skip those kind of names. Normally I just like, why read those names? But I want you to know it's important to the story, and here's why. Because every name I just read to you represented a generation that God was faithful to. And it meant that every single time that God got ready to pass on his purpose to another generation, he didn't drop the ball. He didn't drop it then, and he won't drop it now. And you need to understand, he won't stop. He will not lose this battle unless you and I lose our focus. So here's the third thing you need to write down. To win this battle, take up your position, and it will change your perspective. It's not about your power. It's about your position. It's about your perspective. Your position will cause you to change your pers uh, perspective. 
and cause you to stop looking at how big your problem is and cause you to start praising him for how great he is in the midst of the battle you're fighting. This is how we fight our battles. We turn to God. So this prophet, he stands up in the midst of the assembly, and he says, I'm so glad uh, that you, you've sought after God because as you were seeking after God, God spoke to me. Aren't you glad when God speaks to people and gives us a now word for the season? So uh, you need to know this. If they were ready to fight, even though they weren't prepared and they didn't have a plan, they were ready to go to war. And if they had fought, they would have lost the battle. That, that, that's the craziest thing, I think, in this story. If they had fought that battle, they would have lost it. So remember, when you and I don't understand the nature of the battle that we're in, we will use the wrong strategy. And some of, some of us are losing battles because we're fighting on the wrong level. That's why it tells us in Ephesians 6, 10 through 12, listen to these verses. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So God's telling you, change your perspective. You don't have power, but when you get in me, you're powerful. And then he says in Ephesians 2, verse 6, this is how you change your position. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Do you realize that God wants to upgrade where you sit in life as a believer? Have you ever, have you ever flown someplace and, when you're, uh, and you get seat assignments and you get to pick them usually? Have you ever asked for the middle seat? No. I, uh, so I make most of our plane reservations and they'll also say to me, did you put me in the middle seat? I said, well, we could put somebody between us if you want. But yes, I gave you the middle seat because you're tiny, you're petite, and I like to stretch out my legs. And, she, and so she'll say, well, you know, you're going to have to get up when I go to the bathroom. I go, I know, I'll suffer through it, and uh, we'll make it. But let me just tell you this. There is no middle seat in first class. These folks get treated differently. They get handled differently. They have leather seats in first class. They eat differently in this section. Now, listen, I've only been in first class twice in my life, but I want you to know I enjoyed every minute of it. And I want you to know here's what's happening to us in the world today. What's happening is Paul is telling us this. You need to sit in heavenly places. But what happens to a lot of us is we get this way. We get in our, oh, there's a purse right there. I wonder what's in it. No, anyway. We have our clickers. We're listening to our, 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 our iPads. We're just our, our, our computers, whatever it is. And you're, you're flicking and you're watching. And your, your perspective, your focus becomes so narrow that you miss where God wants you to be. See, down here, you guys look a lot different. And you also, you're a little uglier down here. No, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I said that for Lynn's sake. She was watching me. <laughs> you don't look ugly. You look good. All right. Just Anyway, the point is, God wants you to sit up here because I want you to know you look a lot better up here. 
You look good. And I'm telling you, the heavenly perspective changes everything. You can write this down. Here's another key. The higher you sit, the further you can see. I have a picture of my father in my office sitting on the Continental Divide. And I'll never forget what he said as I took his picture. He said, it sure looks good from up here. And I think that's the way the people who go before us are in heaven. It looks so good. Nobody would ever want to come back to this. But I want you to know, the higher you sit in Christ, the better it looks. So our tendency is to fight every battle on a physical level. Get down there, and then we get swallowed up by fear and by uh, just fright and all that kind of stuff. And God says, listen, I don't want you to go there. It kind of reminds me of the, of the movie Jackie Robinson, 42, and the story of, of Branch Rickey where he, he comes to him and he says, I want to change your position in life. And he says, I want to change it when it comes to baseball. And uh, he says, but the question is, can you control, can you control your temper? And he said, what are you going to do when they start calling you names, when they don't let you in the motels, and when they don't let you use the bathrooms? And they start calling you this, and then he calls him a name. And Jackie Robinson uh, says, are you looking for a player who doesn't have the guts to fight back? And you can just see he's getting welled up because this is where we go in the flesh. Is this fear taking me over whatever? But I love what Branch Rickey said. He goes, no, I'm looking for a player who has the guts not to fight back. And what I'm saying today is you cannot fight this battle on this level, down on the ground. You fight it in the air, and then you fight it on the ground. All right? So verse 15 says this. Take up your position. And he said, hey, he said, listen, King Jehoshaphat, this is the prophet. And all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Sometimes when I feel pressure, it can come out in anger. Now, even this week, I was feeling a little edgy, and Lois said to me, it's going to be okay. I'll give you a word. He comes through. Just hearing somebody say that to you, because here's what I find, uh, is that often when I'm scared or when I feel pressure, uh, that's not where it originated. It actually started happening before. Now it's all of a sudden coming out days and weeks later when all the pressure seems to be down. <clears throat> but what she does is she helps me get my focus back, get my perspective back. Yeah. So what I want you to understand today is get yourself seated in Christ. Get yourself up there and get yourself in position, and then you can trust God through it all. So you have to fight with the right focus, and the prophet tells them this is not about you, so you don't have to be then it goes on to tell us this in verse 16. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up <clears throat> by the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert uh, of Jerusalem. <clears throat> so, he's saying this. God is telling me that I want you to march down against the enemy that you will not have to fight. I don't know about you, but does that sound like crazy? He's telling them, I want you to get into position. I want you to get your perspective right so you can see what I'm going to do on your behalf. Get into the heavenly realm. Get seated with Christ because I'm telling you, you're going to get to see what I will do. And I want you to go down and march against them so you can see how my power will 
work on your behalf. Verse 17 says, you will not have to fight this battle. Take up your position. Stand firm. See the deliverance of the Lord. The Lord will give you. Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out and face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. Then some Levites from the Kohathites or whatever, and Korahites stood up, and they praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. Come on, church. Come on. You need to be loud. Don't be quiet. Don't sit back. Don't act like I'm right now we're going to go into worship. I want your worship to be loud. I want your worship to say, God, we're going after you. And then he gives them, here's the 2020 vision verse of the Bible. Early in the morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. If you want to win this battle, if you have time, write this down. Believe God's word over your life, his promises, what he spoke over you. And then your worship will become a weapon against the kingdom of darkness. Let's stand. Come on, I want you to be loud. I want you to worship. Come on, this is God's battle today.
against the invisible powers that we can't see, but you can. We're asking you, Lord, to, to defeat this disease in Jesus' name. We're asking you, God, to not only defeat uh, the coronavirus, but defeat cancer and diabetes. May we see more miracles in these next days and weeks and months than ever before. May the church grow stronger as we go smaller and digital, and in the end, Maybe be larger than ever before. Thank you, God, that you are an awesome God. Thank you, Lord. Now, let me just say this. Jehoshaphat commissioned everybody to become a worshiper. The next day, he said, I'm appointing singers and worshipers, and you're going to be the head of the army that's going to go before the church and before Jerusalem. And so I just, folks, you need to get loud. You need to get militant. You need to say, I'm going after God. I want to sing this one more time. Go after God and mean it with all your heart. Don't care what anybody else thinks. And, and, and don't touch anybody. Just raise them to God. All right? Let's sing it again. Do it with all our hearts. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles, and this is how, this is how I fight my battles, this is how I fight my battles, this is how I fight my battles, and this is how I sing my victory, my Jesus, who died, who 
glad and who died and fled, but he rose again. And we thank you, God. There's power in your name over every situation, over every disease, over every financial situation. I pray today, God, you will come and fight this battle on our behalf. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, church, go be the church. Make a difference. Be ready to pray. Be ready to tell other people about Jesus Christ in the midst of all of this. God bless you. You're dismissed.